hope we see more of it because uh, there was a lot of sharing going on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that happen as well. I saw somebody like one that went viral where he had uh, lost 40 followers over the year and Twitch had still sent him this Twitch recap. They're like, uh, followers gained minus 40. <laughs> Welcome back to the Gaming Careers podcast. I think we are now Wednesday the 20th of January, so we're we're over halfway through the first month of 2021. And, you know, these platforms, they haven't died yet. There <laughs> hasn't been too much news this week, but I guess uh, one thing that came up in everybody's inboxes was the sort of Twitch recap. Um, sort of like a Spotify wrapped. I don't know if you're a user of Spotify, Ben, but every year at the end of the year, they send you um, sort of a a video, I guess it is really, with loads of the stats from the year of what music you've been listening to, which artists, which genres you've discovered and things like that. And Twitch have taken their own spin on that, um, sending out a Twitch recap email, which had some stats, like how many channels, or how many people have followed your stream, how many hours you've streamed and how many hours of content you've actually watched on Twitch. What did you think about this? It was it was a bit of a surprise. I didn't expect it anyway. Yeah, I didn't expect it either. I thought it was super cool. I always look forward to the Spotify rap series and how it kind of expands each year to show new things. So it's pretty cool. Also, you know, I'm a huge data fan. So uh, any data like this is pretty cool. And I like that they did a viewer side and a streamer side. So whether you were just watching a lot of Twitch or you were actually broadcasting a lot, they tailored a version towards you. And it showed kind of like two sides of the same coin where it would show you how many hours you watched or how many people watched you, how many hours you were watched during the year. So I thought it was cool to get both and kind of compare them together. Uh, I think it was pretty surface level to be fair, but it's also the first time doing it. So um, maybe next year we see more depth on talking about like finding breakout streamers, which is something that Spotify does with like finding breakout tracks, um, even just just more detailed stuff. But in general, I think it was a super cool program and I hope we see more of it because uh, there was a lot of sharing going on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that happen as well. Yeah, I, <laughs> the ones that really stood out to me were the sort of the more memed upon ones. Um, I saw somebody like, one that went viral where he had uh, lost 40 followers over the year. <laughs> and Twitch had still sent him this Twitch recap. Like, uh, followers gained minus 40. And I'm like, whoever built this system should probably have coded in. Like, if it's less than zero, then you probably shouldn't send <laughs> send the email or probably shouldn't send that part of the category anyway. Um, but yeah, I saw that go viral and quite a few streamers reacting to it and laughing out loud at the fact that Twitch had like tried to hype up this person losing 40 followers over the course of a year. And the opposite end of the spectrum as well. I saw like XQC looking at his on stream and um, he basically just said it was completely ruined by bots that had followed the channel. He said he reckoned about 3 million of the followers that he'd got had probably been from bots. So there wasn't really too much insight into what he had streamed and the stats that he had got back. But I, I think, yeah, I really like that they balanced both what you streamed and what you watched and like the emotes that you used and things like that. And hopefully it's something they expand upon in the future and more and more stats come from that conversation. Cause I think like, I love the Spotify wrapped. I, I get, I used to be like in a band with some mates uh, like five years ago and we all share our Spotify wrapped, like our playlists at the end of the year. And then we look at how many songs appeared in multiple people's playlists and like build this mega playlist of like all the songs that we, we enjoyed together. Um, so I'd love, I'd love for Twitch to keep going down this route. And it wasn't, it wasn't a bad first attempt attempt i just think <laughs> they probably learned a couple of lessons from some of the experiences that were shared on twitter yeah i saw that too with people having negative followers that was really funny to see uh one thing i was curious about do you know if spotify wrapped is sorry yes yeah, Spotify wrapped is a paid service or if it's like is it just for premium users or is it for everybody on the platform 
That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I've been I've paid for Spotify for probably three or four years now. So certainly every year I've received it. Um, so I don't know if it's if it's for free or paid. Over here in the UK, like Spotify is by far the biggest platform. Like I know that there's Amazon Music and Tidal, and I think even YouTube has one now, YouTube Music or something. But Spotify is like by far the biggest. Pretty much every one of my friends uses Spotify. Yeah, same here. I've had it forever. I just looked it up, and it's actually so both non-paying and paying users get Spotify Wrapped. But if you have premium, you get more data and a longer story, basically, and more info. So. That kind of makes sense. That's why I was thinking originally because Twitch did this for everybody with no monetization at all feature. So like maybe next year they do a version where if you have, uh, what is it, Prime Gaming, that you would get more details or something and, and stuff like that. That would make sense to me because I think everybody loves to see these, just see your own version of what streaming is to you and who you watch. And also on the broadcaster side, like where people watch you and things like that would be really cool to see. And just the trends over the year, so yeah, definitely, Ashley. The the where people watch you is an interesting one. Like if they could break down what countries people are watching from, and you know what devices people are watching on. And one thing that when you were talking about like the free versus premium, I thought it'd be interesting for them to send out a free version saying like how many ads you've watched, because that would encourage <laughs> people to then subscribe to either Twitch or to Spotify. You know, like oh my god, I watched. 12 hours of ads over the course of a year like i should probably spend the five bucks a month to pay for the premium version um but yeah there's there's plenty of room here and, and no doubt twitch is collecting all that data like all these big tech companies are fans of big data so they'll have all of all of these numbers in the system they just need to work out ways of being able to pull that out that makes a meaningful stat for a user yeah uh, sorry speaking of you just remind me of slasher's tweet i don't know if you saw that with his twitch recap which was like server breaking and ads watched and just all sorts of things that happened on twitch the past year that are the real recap um but no i agree with you that's why i think just adding more data would be cool and you can just really parallel to spotify because it's pretty similar with the things you could take away on like maybe biggest streams of the year demographics watched geos watched like all sorts of kind of stuff there that would be really cool to see but Overall, really cool topic, um, and I, I hope that we see more this next year. Maybe more evolving types of data coming out next year. We also yeah, I know that. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. I know that um, YouTube don't really do it, um, and I think they maybe did do something this year. But I was one of the people that didn't get didn't get one of the emails. I don't know if it went into my spam or something like that. But I know that uh, TubeBuddy, like one of the plugins, they um, they sort of do one where you can just you know, link your account and they show you how many times you uploaded, how many views you got, comparing it to the previous year and things like that. But it makes sense for the companies to do them because most people then share them on social media and it's like free advertising, isn't it? It's free marketing. And uh, like people just love seeing their own stats, I feel like. And I think it's also like a competitive edge for the platform too. I think if you look at Spotify, one of the reasons you want to be on Spotify is because every year you get that wrap and can share it to people. And then if you're one of those people who's on iTunes or Tidal or something, you can't kind of get in on that experience and, and share that. So I think it actually just is valuable for the platforms to make people want to choose them over other people too. So it makes sense for streaming, for Twitch to do this. Maybe people will come from Facebook. You know, I don't know if they'll do it just for the Twitch recap, but if this gets bigger and there's more data support uh, types of things come out at the end of the year, it could be a reason to switch over in the future. I think there's probably a big opportunity for Twitch to do more with statistics in general. You know, like you get a um, stream recap from either Streamlabs or Stream Elements, depending on whoever you use, and it shows you some data from the stream that you've just finished. Like, I feel like there's a big opportunity for Twitch to, to do that and apply 
you know some learnings they could they could even link um tutorials and support articles and things like that for people that maybe were experiencing technical issues like i, th I feel like there's a big opportunity there for twitch to use more of the data that they're collecting for the streamers that are streaming on the platform yeah i mean i definitely think they could too they do have a lot of other uh, third-party tools that use the data so Solinome and, and Twitch Tracker and these guys do a pretty good job but of course it'd be nice to have it actually integrate into the experience itself uh, side note I was looking at the you just talked about the stream summary uh, I was looking at that and they actually only show you when you're going up in stats which is kind of interesting because I know like this gets talked about sometimes with YouTube and showing that red arrow down and trying to get that up every time where I know is Twitch will only show you if you're going up in certain areas on the stream summary. So that was kind of interesting. And um, and speaking of like the negative followers thing that you saw, like you don't see that same thing on the dashboard for Twitch. So mm. it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Yeah, the, the YouTube side of thing is um, it's, it's such a useful tool, but it is a real kick in the teeth when you're like, you put work really hard on a video and then you just see that 10 out of 10 like this video is performing worse with your current subscribers or not getting as many click-throughs and you're like i tried <laughs> why and obviously even if you have like the problem with that system is that you could have nine amazing videos and the 10th one is is like way above par but it's worse than the nine that you previously uploaded and you're still going to get a bit depressed like looking at that stat so i try and keep myself away from the the back end and like over analyzing obviously it's useful to know what topics and videos are, are resonating with your audience and people are interested in clicking through but i feel like sometimes you can get lost in the stats and your mental state is, is more important than um than necessarily learning from the stats yeah i've heard a lot of talk about that with youtube too and because it does show you when you're going down or it's not working as well but the thing is it's not necessarily because in, in that type of system you have to keep going better and better and better every time you can never have the same thing happen twice even if you have the same video that you get the same performance that you did last time it's not going to be a green arrow it's just going to be even right like so if you actually want to keep that green and arrow there and, and keep going up you have to keep improving and that's just not going to happen for anybody so at some point you're going to have those those drops and the decrease in your viewership or those kind of things so i kind of like that twitch only shows you when you're going up and then when you've gone down or even just kind of staying still it, it doesn't give you an indicator of dropping or growing it's just that's just how it is so yeah i mean you could a great example from last week would be graph g like he had record-breaking streams you know he's absolutely smashed all of these records for um most concurrent viewers most people on twitch all these kind of things but like he's undoubtedly going to have a worse week this week than he did last week so do you display red arrows to him like I mean, obviously, it's not going to have the, the same effect as he did last week. And I'm sure YouTube reflects that as well. But it is an interesting thing to think about. And I think it's something that creators need to be aware of um, to kind of avoid burnout. Because I think it can be a big contributing factor to why people burn out is is by seeing these like negative stats and feeling, you know, feeling a bit sad about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm just glad to see Twitch is doing a good job with that and kind of preemptively, hopefully helping with burnout and, and just anxiety around the numbers there. Because I see a lot of celebrations on Twitch. Twitter when people hit these big milestones and like the viewership records but then I don't see a lot of like drops and things like that because it's not as easy to see on Twitch so I think that just helps the culture on that side uh, speaking of though let's on the data side I did want to talk about rust a little bit because we're watching rust this year and how it's gonna trend compared to like among us last year and how that really took over twitch over last year so Rust has dropped a little bit in viewership over the past weeks, but it's still, I think, the number two category, number one, number two, most times. Uh, and League is kind of coming back up, which Pete and I are big fans of League with the new season and everything. But 
I don't know. We're, we're kind of unsure how long Rust will last. What do you think, looking at Rust so far, Pete, like what do you think is going to happen with the directory? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's something that as big data nerds, we uh, we love to keep track of these kind of things. And it's hard to predict how long games last for because as we've said in a couple of pods, like Among Us lasted for way longer than either of us could have predicted. Like I could see that being like a two-week fad, but it just seemed to keep keep going. And it is still like in the top five categories, I think. So it's difficult to predict with Rust. It kind of just depends on when the streamers and, and maybe the viewers um, stop enjoying the content so much. The thing is with games like League of Legends and, and CSGO and like these big esports titles is they will always like be in the top five and they'll always come back when a new season begins or when the competitive season relaunches or when there's a big tournament on. Like the, these these games will kind of be like waves, but they'll always have a viewer base and big peaks when a season has restarted like like the league of legends scene has or when there's a big you know csgo major or something like that whereas games like rust they're definitely you know they can spike way higher but they'll also fall off a lot quicker and they won't um remain with with a base level viewership like like games like esports titles will basically right and they probably won't get a revival the same way they could i don't know but i don't see among us really making a huge second comeback this year after its initial kind of wave because i mean i guess they have updates coming to the game and, and that could help but it just seems like games like this kind of come up mostly based on organic viewership around certain channels streaming this in collaboration and then once it's kind of been used for all the content it can be used for they move on to a new one is the cycle that i'm seeing now we're just at the start of it with among us and rust so i do think we'll see more games this year in that category of big collaborative uh, co-stream games and we'll just kind of move from one to the next throughout the year but i i have no idea what the next one will be so we'll have to kind of yeah. wait and see on that one i mean that's the hard thing right it's trying to predict what the next game will be because it's not necessarily just the next new game to come out we, we've seen these older titles sort of be revived by streamers coming in and streaming them so it's really tough to predict what the next the next game will be but certainly keeping a close eye on the these top streamers and uh what they start playing there's some people saying that like soda soda poppin is the guy that chooses the next game because i think he's the one that um was kind of credited for making among us so popular um so yeah maybe keep an eye on his stream and see what he ends up playing but uh maybe it'll just be world of warcraft that comes back again who knows could be yeah soda poppin is always good at streaming obscure games that get popular so it could be the one to drive it for the next game as well um looking through some more news this week we talked last week about the the pog champ situation on twitch uh, and how we're, they are rotating out the daily pog champs to, to be different creators on Twitch after the suggestion from day nine, I believe. So there has been some controversy on in terms of who they've actually picked to be the pog champ, and a like the cropping and the design of the pog champ face, but then b the people they actually picked to be on there. F- the one side being some of these people have said things on their streams that are pretty divisive. The other being, I think, just the Twitch community unfortunately just harassing some of these creators for just the types of things they stream or what they stand for. So Twitch actually came out and just tweeted a short response on sort of their, the thoughts on the pod champ and trying to show diversity of creators and kind of being committed to this over the couple weeks or so, or however long this will last for. I don't, I don't think this will last forever personally, but I guess it could. It's definitely good for their Twitter account to be able to have a new tweet every day <laughs> to show the pod <laughs> champ. Um, I think they'll eventually settle on a permanent one, but just kind of interesting and they did say they're going to have some more information on the the policies and stuff like that on the January 21st creator camp. But overall, I mean, I, I personally, I like the Daily Pog Champs and I feel like they're getting better. I did, I did, 
I did think there were cropping issues at the beginning, but they've gotten more close to kind of the original face, which is good. Pete, what are your thoughts on and seeing all this happen with the PogChamp stuff? I think my main question, which probably will get answered in, in the uh, creator camp that they're going to be running, is is this just exclusively for Twitch partners? And I'd imagine it is so far. I haven't really dived in to see if it was, but it must be for people that have signed some kind of contract with Twitch. I can't believe that they would be rolling this out to affiliates, but who knows, you know, if they keep doing this idea for another three years, they might run out of partners and then <laughs> need to start diving into the affiliate pool. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think they've made, uh, it's definitely been less drama this week, but we're, we're diving into this problem where whoever is the daily PogChamp face, their stream inevitably gets way more focus, which isn't a bad thing, but the kind of focus that it's getting is, you know, a lot of trolls and people trying to trying to get like a clip of them saying something controversial just to put Twitch back in the bad spotlight. So it's difficult because you want to promote these streamers and that's what's really nice about this idea of rotating the daily PogChamp. Um, you want to be able to promote all these creators that maybe don't get a spotlight as, the, uh, as they usually would on like the Twitch front page. Uh, so to speak but at the same time you don't want to be putting them in a situation where they're getting thousands of new viewers who are trolling them in chat yeah i think twitch made the right response here overall just kind of backing the creators and saying you know we're committed to diversity and trying to actually include everybody in this project which i think is good i think from a platform perspective the reason why i think they should probably switch eventually to a permanent pog champ is because you're going to kind of lose the meaning of PogChamp almost or the brandability of it, I think. like The the, the original face of PogChamp is so recognizable and that's why you had so many variants of it and and when you just said the word, people know what it meant. And I guess you could still get that with having multiple faces, but it's not going to have the same kind of iconic sense as just having one unified emote. And I know we talked last week about those issues around picking a person because that person could always do something controversial or... Um, different types of concerns around using a person's face versus like a character or something. But still, I think that's probably the route that they'll eventually go down. The question is who they would actually choose to do that and, and how they'll go through that process. I think if they do, if they do choose a permanent replacement, it's going to have to be like a character that's been drawn because I, I can't imagine them choosing somebody um, and actually, you know, being the new face of PogChamp. Unless, like you said, it was it was like a, a heritage thing, like one of the early Twitch creators, Wreckful or something like that, like, like you like you mentioned. Um, I just can't imagine them choosing somebody. So I reckon it might might turn out to be a character. But yeah, it's one of those things where I think Twitch is doing the right thing, and um, you know, a lot of the hate that they're getting, I don't really know if they're directly responsible for anything because uh, I I really like the idea and like Day Nine's idea. Let's give credit to him because he was the one that came up with it. I think I think it is like a nice way of being able to promote the wider Twitch audience. Um, and it's probably going to settle down, you know, in a month's time, if this is still going on, are the people going to be getting thousands and thousands of trolls in their chat? It's probably less likely. Like you probably still are going to get some, but I think, you know, once the once the freshness of the idea has died down a little bit, it probably will settle down and just become something that Twitch does every day. Yeah, it will definitely die down, like you said. I And I guess it could work if they do keep rotating it. Um, I will say, like, as someone who's streamed recently, I haven't realized that a new PogChamp emote is live. So I'll see someone type the new one and not know what it is as a streamer. <laughs> so, I, and I guess that's a learning process. Like, you could eventually get in the habit of checking the Twitter to see what the daily PogChamp is. But for me, it's like, what is this emote that people are typing in my chat? I have to hover it to see that it's PogChamp. So that's where I think, again, having one unified probably helps there for the streamer uh, and the viewer overall. But 
I don't know. Maybe we'll get used to having different faces down in the long term, and and it could be cool if they can keep up the daily swapping. I don't know how much that work is on the Twitch backend, but we'll see. Do you think we'd still be talking about it if it was still the original face? Like, do you think there would still be a stir about um, this person's face being on the platform, or do you think it would have literally been tw- twenty four hours of news and then forgotten about? Um, I don't know. I. Uh, so, are you asking if? Sorry, are you asking if people? if his face was still on there as it is now or if they had just replaced it with someone else and, and stuck it with no, that? No, so if they, if they had never changed the emote, so it was the original PogChamp mm. emote and, you know, there was a bit of drama on Twitter on the day where um, Gutex shared the, shared the tweet that was controversial, but if that drama had just sort of passed and they'd left the emote, do you think, like, people would still care? Because it's, 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 hindsight is such an interesting thing. Like, it blew up on the day but I wonder if, you know, it'd still be an issue today and if the use of the emote would have changed to, you know, represent what he was saying in his mm. tweet or anything like that. It's, it's so, I think it's so difficult. It's kind of, if it was any other emote, it wouldn't be worth talking about. But it's it, like we said a few weeks ago, it was one of the the biggest, uh, big, most used emotes on the platform. Mm-hmm. I think it was like top three or top four. So, and, and it kind of, it's, it's, it's foreshadowing what might happen in the future with, plenty of these like real human faces on emotes so i think it is an interesting point to discuss but yeah we've we've, pr- we've probably covered it <laughs> in enough in enough detail i think um one thing i did see this week which was uh creating a bit of um discussion on twitter was uh the popular streamer lyric proposing a new uh twitch channel idea basically uh, a way of being able to donate money to charity by um having sort of a twitch channel which is completely dedicated to running ads and raising money for charity and big streamers or small streamers, whoever, can then host that channel as soon as they go offline. The channel's online 24-7 and somewhere on the stream is like a counter of how much ad revenue has been raised for charity. So like the whole the whole point of the channel is to raise money for charity and then big streamers just host that channel as soon as they go offline. Did you, did you catch this? You got an opinion on it? Yeah, this is a really interesting take because um, I had just seen this, but I think it's a cool concept of having just one channel that only runs ads 24-7 and is basically just kind of farming revenue. I have some questions on whether Twitch would even allow this kind of thing um, and whether they would stop this because for the advertiser, it's probably a lot of people just sitting there AFK watching stuff and so it's not actually valuable. So I wonder if they'd probably block that. And then I also wonder like how how you would show the real-time ad revenue going to charity kind of thing again i love the concept i think it's cool because one thing that a lot of streamers uh deal with is trying to find someone to host after a stream and trying to vet them and that kind of thing so if there's this one unified channel that's really easy to point to then that saves a lot of work and you know it's for a good cause so that's definitely pretty easy plus again big group community mission is really good to have and everyone's kind of supporting this thing together is pretty cool but i would have questions on whether twitch would even allow this kind of thing on the platform honestly I think it would be cool if uh, it was maybe not just a channel showing ads, but it was like um, a Twitch plays Pokemon type channel. So there was like there was a not a single streamer behind it, but it was more like the community being able to play games, and it would just run ads as normal, and then you could host it after finishing a stream because that kind of that checks off all of the issues that I think Twitch would have with it because it is still an interactive stream. And um, like those those Twitch plays Pokemon streams are, are super popular. I, I saw another one actually recently. I can't remember who was streaming it, but they took like a two week two week break, and they just set up Twitch plays Pokemon on their channel, and um, had all these 
viewers still subbing to them and playing the uh i can't remember which pokemon game but one of the original game boy games anyway um so yeah i think there's an idea there but like it requires proper execution and i think for it to be something that works over a long period of time it would really need some thought behind it and some ways to make it interesting for viewers to stay around rather than just like an afk you know minimize it and put it in the background which twitch like you said is probably going to have a problem with Mm -hmm. and there could be ways that twitch could even kind of work on this with people if because they've talked about doing more interactive ads and experiences like that so maybe they test new features on this channel like that that are more interactive ads that would be still valuable to advertisers and get really good info but then the viewers know that it all goes to support charity when they're doing the testing so uh, it's kind of a win-win. I mean, especially if the advertiser knows that their money is going towards charity uh, and Twitch can kind of support that and say, hey, we have this test channel where we're working with the community and advertisers together to support a charity at the same time. That's a pretty win-win situation for everybody. You just have to figure out how to avoid just the, the bot views or the views that people are not actually paying any attention to the stream and just losing money for the advertiser. But again, it's still going to charity, so it's not really that bad of a situation. Uh, you just have to think the, the the logistics for it because it'd be a new format that we haven't seen before. But I, I like the idea for pretty much everybody at this point. Yeah, I think um, one point that you made there was that probably Twitch just needs to work a little bit on the rating and hosting system. Um, like you said, it's quite hard to find somebody to host at the end. So maybe you should get some suggestions. Like as you're finishing your stream, you should have, you know, three streamers that you already follow that are live right now or something like that. Like th- there could be definitely ways that they make that system better. And uh, if, if they can really improve that system and, and increase the number of people that stay on the platform after their favorite streamer has finished streaming and, you know, watching a new streamer, that's probably actually what's best for the platform. But yeah, uh, probably not what's best for the, for the charities involved anyway. Uh, the only other real thing that we um, noted down um, that was interesting this week, I think, was the YouTube channel that we've spoken about a few times on this podcast, which YouTube runs called Create Insider, which is sort of a behind the scenes like an engineers um the people that are actually building youtube and work on it on a daily basis it's their youtube channel where they sort of answer frequently asked questions um helping you know dispel some of the myths about youtube and the algorithm and things like that it's definitely worth subscribing to if you create content on youtube uh, they had a video where they covered some questions about the algorithm and uh, i feel like you've you've watched this and really analyzed it in detail yeah I, I think this is sort of a hidden gem channel ever since you showed this to me one of our a couple weeks ago i checked back because it's cool to hear directly from the people who are building the platform on this kind of stuff uh, a couple of takeaways that i took from the video the first is that uh, monetization, monetization does not impact search or recommendation placements at all. There's a lot of myth around there, I think, in terms of, you know, are monetized uh, videos placed higher because they're making money for YouTube, so they want to promote those. Apparently not, uh, with the exception of videos that are around mature or graphic uh, demonetization for that kind of thing. They're not going to show that to people, but for just a approved video versus a monetized video, it should be a pretty equal placement for search and recommendation. So I thought that was kind of cool just to hear the confirmation. I don't know, have you ever thought mm. that through that issue on your end, Pete? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a myth um, that w- circulated quite frequently, was that um, oh, my video is not doing as well because it's not available for monetization. And thankfully I create content which is completely safe and I, I have never had an issue with demonetization. But I know a lot of creators that you know, do more lifestyle-based things and sometimes we'll get a video demonetized. So uh, it's interesting to hear 
that it is a myth and in fact it does not impact search and recommendation placements if it's not monetized but remember only a month ago or so um when youtube announced that they were going to apply uh, add monetization to videos of creators that aren't even in the partner program and then take all the ad revenue themselves so really <laughs> videos that aren't monetized what what is in that category and they're not demonetized for mature or graphic reasons then you know we're talking about a super small percentage of videos i feel like now yeah i think originally this this question probably came from people who weren't in the program like you said who were just growing and then had could didn't have the option to monetize and had to compete against these channels who did so the thought was that oh i i can't get the same placement because i'm not in this bracket but with this change i guess it's kind of a, a moot point anyway because everybody's monetized essentially uh, probably for this reason, so that when they do show these videos that kind of break out and go viral, they can still make the money off of them. But still kind of cool to hear it from the creators themselves of the algorithm and how it's going. So I thought that was interesting. The other piece was that uh, for taking breaks, again, get into the data here, they did a study of 40,000 channels who took upload breaks, and there were some different ranges of breaks, but most were over two weeks they took a break and looked at like the viewership before and after they took a break and there was no correlation of viewership drops of any significance if anything they said there was actually more viewership after the break and that's usually because people maybe they make some big video and they come back or take longer to make the next video or something but still just kind of interesting to see that there was no data like if you want to take a break on youtube and you're worried about losing views because you break a schedule or something uh apparently the data is showing that it's not really going to drop your viewership at all so i thought that was cool any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I've I've long been a believer of of you can build up a YouTube audience through quantity or through quality or through a combination of both, um, and it's not so much about uploading on a schedule anymore. And we've we've seen a couple of videos from the Creator Insider channel where they've sort of discussed that each video is treated separately. And you know, I didn't upload a video uh, for over four weeks when I moved house, got new internet, had to build my new studio, and uh, yeah, I don't see any difference really in my my channel analytics. So. I completely agree with this and I actually think it's really important to take breaks. We talked a little bit about creator burnout and we'll probably do a dedicated ed episode at some point on, you know, burning out uh, streaming or creating content because it is a bit of a grind, especially when you're trying to build that initial audience. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I agree with this. One thing that I think is a really interesting way of dealing with this, taking a break from your channel whilst also keeping consistent with uploads is the way that Tom Scott does it. I don't know if he's popular in the States. He's always on Reddit, but he's the British guy in the red T-shirt that sort of does um, videos about literally any topic, but really interesting, like deep dives and does all the all the research. Um, but he's always posted on Reddit. Reddit, absolutely love him. He's always on our videos. And uh, he does a thing every single year where he takes the whole of January off, but he allows other creators to submit content for his channel which he'll, his channel will release over january and all the ad revenue and things like that still goes to the original creator and it's the best of both worlds right he gets to promote smaller youtubers who inevitably see some growth from this he still gets to upload every week like he normally does on his schedule so from youtube's point of view he hasn't taken a break even though he has actually taken you know four weeks off and managed to reset his his headspace for the for the year to come so that's a really interesting way of doing it actually i'm thinking about maybe trying to do the same next year and you know utilizing some of the smaller creators that make great uh content for streamers and um being able to show showcase some of their content on my channel whilst also being able to take the whole of january off sounds like <laughs> a bit of a win-win to me yeah that's a pretty cool idea i didn't i haven't heard of him um but i, I have some people do that before so like you said kind of win-win situation when you can take yourself 
uh, a month off to recoup and recover and then also spotlight other people. Speaking of, I, I wanted to mention from that video, one interesting thing is that apparently January is a very popular time to take breaks on YouTube. Based when they did this study, there were more in January than other months. So it's kind of interesting. I guess with the new year, people are kind of resetting and maybe taking time to think through their content for the coming year. So if you're taking a break in January like or thinking of to do one like Pete is here, then you're not the only one apparently. Everybody else is doing the same thing. Yeah, from, from a monetization point of view, that makes sense as well because um, companies that run ads on places like YouTube they have big budgets to spend in Q4, you know, with Black Friday and Thanksgiving and then Christmas lead up and uh, all of their sales, like they spend all of their money in that time. So there's loads of ads competing for videos in Q4. And then usually in Q1, they have like no money left. So you actually, you, you usually see a bit of a drop in uh, the revenue that you make through platforms like YouTube in the first quarter of the year anyway. So it makes sense to take that break from a selfish monetization <laughs> point of view. But that, that wasn't my reasoning. I was literally trying to move house and get internet installed in sure, my studio. Sure, Yeah, you can, you can pretend over there, Pete, but it's all about the money at the end of the day. We know. The biggest, <laughs> the biggest thing from all of this is that you haven't seen Tom Scott's YouTube channel. That is an absolute goldmine. You're going to have a great uh, rest of your day, probably not being very productive for your work. Um, but there's so many great videos on that. He's, he's, the, he's the OG British YouTuber. He's like the, he'll, he'll get knighted at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> I have to check him out for sure. If if you give him that much recommendation, I'll have to have to check that out. Um, the last thing I saw, I'll just touch on really quickly before we kind of wrap here. I saw Ninja Loser Fruit Lachlan. I really hope I said his name right. And the Grafji, they all so they're all the creators who got their own skins in Fortnite with the Icon series. We talked about Grafji obviously uh, last week. So they all did a co-stream together, which I think is just pretty cool moment to see because they're all individual creators on Twitch and YouTube who have gotten their skins and are playing a game together. And just kind of a cool moment to see like this wouldn't have ever happened without Twitch and YouTube having some place in Fortnite and seeing them all kind of in the same lobby playing together as themselves in the game at the same time. It was just kind of surreal. Like you can never see that with anybody else playing the game. So I thought it was cool. I don't know if you saw any of that, but just a cool moment. Yeah, it's we've we've talked so many times this year about how collaboration is is the key for for growth, and it's what all the top streamers are doing when they're playing games like Rust. So yeah, it was cool to see you know the week after Grefg broke all these records, getting his new skin, that the three previous creators that play Fortnite that got skins as well through the same series, you know, all all jumping into co-stream together. I think that's a that's a nice moment, and probably you know again sharing some of the love of the viewership that he's he's had over the past couple of weeks. So uh, who's the next one? You want to be the next Fortnite creator, basically, because uh, you're going to break records and hit 2.5 million views concurrently. Yeah, I don't know who's going to be next, but I, I just think it's a really cool series in general that they are supporting actual creators with this kind of thing. And I remember that when the Ninja skin came out, it was kind of crazy to see in the game. Like, we had never kind of seen that thing before where an actual creator was modeled in the game and put in there with his face and everything. And so... We keep talking about how Fortnite is changing the game when it comes to events and, and different collaborations and partnerships. I mean, they got Disney at this point and everything else. So I'm, who knows? I hope that Fortnite keeps doing cool stuff like that with creators and brands and these big events that even if you don't like us, like I, I don't watch any Fortnite at all. But I always look at these things when they have the Mandalorian come in or the Avengers and that kind of stuff like that. It's just such a big moment that you have to kind of look at what Fortnite's doing and Epic and applaud that because they are kind of breaking barriers in the game industry, I think. Yeah, it's probably a good insight into what the future is going to look like, like big, big brands collaborating in game. You know, we see like we see sponsors in game, um, 
like <laughs> I hate to keep harping on about League of Legends, but it's probably the esport that I watch the most. But they have like banners in game with the advert on, and we're going to see more and more of that, I think. But yeah, these big crossovers of Disney and Avengers actually becoming characters in the game for special events like 100% that's going to be the future but uh, yeah like you said a bit of a short week on on news this week but um, as always we somehow find a way to like fill 35 minutes <laughs> probably talking too much about PogChamp and the Twitch recap but yeah both uh, interesting pieces to cover so thanks as always for joining Ben and thanks for everybody that's watching and listening along uh, the same call out that we always do do give the video a thumbs up if you're watching or go and give it a rating if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or any platform that you can rate and yeah, we'll catch you next Wednesday for another roundup of the Twitch and streamer news. See you next week. See you guys. Peace.